Welcome to Valhalla Face to Guard Americana, an American-based English language Valhalla Face to Guard fan podcast where reviews are unofficial, uninformed, usually unprepared. My name is Travis. You can reach me at Hazelfish. His name is Matt. You can reach him at Cell Racer. You can reach us on Twitter at Valhalla Americana. This is our, well, we thought it was, Matt, our 100th episode, but as it turns out, as we went back through the archives to do some research, we found out it's not episode 100, it's episode 97. So... Well, what are you going to do? So do you want to celebrate episode 97, Matt? I always, I want to celebrate everything. I'm always looking for a good celebration. (laughs) So let's go to some shout outs today. Uh, Valpe Bingo, Derek Ray stinks. At Valpe Bingo. He's great at everything else. He only got six out of 25. So no cliches from the pronunciation king. Uh, pod predictions. Austin extended his lead. He went five and four. Matt, you and Jeff went four and five. Ugh, I went three and six. I'm in trouble. Uh, you are in second place, Matt. 44 wins. Austin's got 48. He is just on a tear. Uh, speaking of a tear, I'm going to let you take this one completely because you were sending out some really nice tweets. I'm going to call it Twitter. I don't care anymore. Uh, the Valpe Frauen, uh, break it down. Give us some info on how they're doing because you were on top of this today. So the Frauen lit it up today, four to nothing. Uh, scored their first goal about 27 minutes in, stayed at one nil till halftime, then banged three home in the second half against Hegauer FV. I think I, I said that right. Wow. Um, I learned today, though, thanks to Kai, that one of our players, uh, Jana Buschlein, um, used to play in the Frauen first division for Colm. Hmm. And so she's a turbo cheat code. And if you look at the numbers she's putting up, it's ridiculous. But this says to me that the the brass are investing in the women's team. And that's awesome. Uh, so we should see continued success from the ladies. And they're just, they can't stop scoring. They don't need Jirasi. The men need Jirasi, but <laughs> they're tearing it up without him. Yeah, we should maybe in an episode or two dive a little bit deeper into them because they are undefeated in the Oberliga. They are tearing it up right now. And it'd be interesting to dive into that story a little bit because that's kind of a kind of an interesting piece of tidbit there. So Kai, thanks for that. Uh, speaking of tidbits, we got some tidbits on some of the former players. Orel Mangala played 83 minutes versus old friend Endo, who got in the last 10 minutes of the Liverpool match, which Liverpool won 3 nothing. Endo scored his first goal for Liverpool in a Europa League match on Thursday. So congratulations to him. Uh, Juan Pereira on loan with Hansa played 70 minutes in a loss. Uh, Kalijic played 10 minutes off the bench and a 2-2 draw for Wolverhampton. Oive, poor Borna, didn't play. He's injured for Ajax. They are now, Matt, in dead last place. They lost 5-2 today. They are not just in the relegation zone, but they would be relegated if the season ended today. Uh, the good news, though, the good news, Gil Dias played 30-plus minutes for Warsaw. The bad news for Gil it was in a four nothing loss, but he's still on, still on the same club for quite some time. So that's a win, as far as I'm concerned. Which of those stories are you interested in uh, talking about? The endo one interests me the most. I have a, a buddy whose um, son is a huge, huge Liverpool fan, so they watch quite a bit of Liverpool. And every time Endo does something, he texts me, and he's yeah. like, "You're right. This guy is amazing." And he 
can't figure out for the life of him why Endo isn't getting more time on the field. Uh, if it's just familiarity with the system at Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool is a pretty stacked squad. I don't know who specifically they have ahead of him, but um, he's impressing at least my one friend who watches a lot of Liverpool. I'm impressed you have at least one friend. That's what I got out <laughs> of that. <laughs> I, you know, everybody's got a pity buddy. <laughs> The OFC Fantasy Village Footy is rocking it this year. Give those guys a follow. They do some great stuff. They do a lot of uh, Stuttgart stuff there. As Rory's a, a fan of the club. So they won. Cool Runnings is in second. Jens is in third. Those same three are only 70 points within each other for one, two, and three in our OFC. OFC tip spiel. Uh, Kai, you mentioned him earlier. Kai won his second win of the season. Doug, our sporting director, who we'll talk to later in the episode, took second. And Stefan, who is the leader, took third. So Stefan, Kai Guy, and uh, Peter from Omaha are in the top three there. Let's get down to the OFC man of the match. The OFC man of the match, Matt, in a loss, which we haven't experienced much this year. Um, we had a lot of votes for a lot of different people. There was one person who got 65% of the vote. Before we uh, kind of break that out, who was your man of the match after watching a rare Valfe loss? I picked uh, Angelo Stiller because I thought he was just consistent and solid in the midfield. And when we got burnt, they were for kind of counters and I didn't really feel like it was on him. Um, we had a lot of opportunities going forward that we just didn't cash in on. And I felt like he was doing a good job getting the ball moving in the right direction. Yeah. I actually forgot to vote on this. So I guess I'm kind of <laughs> on the spot here. I probably would have voted for Dennis Undav, even though he was kind of maligned in this one, but 64% of the OFC voted for Chris Furich in this one. And uh, Dennis and Enzo got a tie for second place. So congratulations to Chris and, and a loss here. What is super exciting. We're going to talk to Doug in a minute about this is we're going to have two watch parties in Northeast Ohio Next week for the Heidenheim match, uh, we're going to have one in Cleveland, which I'm going to host, and then we're going to have one in Youngstown, which Doug is going to host, uh, versus Heidenheim. And then the next week after that, Josh and Jens down in Central Texas are going to have one for the Dortmund match. So, I mean, Matt, it's kind of cool, kind of odd, the locations, but it's kind of cool we're starting to get some watch parties going. It's. I think it's just exciting that people are getting together to watch Stuttgart and uh, the locations are odd because you fools live in odd places in Ohio and uh, that's on you, but also you're the ones putting forth the effort to get them organized. So good on you. Well, if you and your one friend can go to the metropolis, that is Detroit. Maybe you can watch a match too. <laughs> Mr. Glasshouse. <laughs> we could get our act together and do something productive. <laughs> this is interesting. I really, one of my goals at some point is to do like the Shaka America guys have done is a history of Shaka for American supporters. And I kind of would love to do this for Val Bay supporters. So recently, uh, this is kind of an ode and a shout out to the, the life of uh, Manfred uh, Reiner. Recently passed away at the age of 86. And he was born in 1937, actually seven days after Val Bay was founded in 1893. So September 16th, when Val Bay's birthday was September uh, 9th. He moved from KSC to Val Bay from 61 to 67, was a key player for the club. Uh, especially during the pre-Bundesliga seasons when uh, it was regional. And he helped get Stuttgart promoted to the newly formed Bundesliga. They were one of the 16 original uh, clubs that automatically went up. Um, and at the end of the 1962-63 Overliga South season, Matt, this is what I love. He played 90 minutes in the final match versus kickers Offenbach. That thanks to the 1-1 draw, they had scored early, and then they let Offenbach score a goal in the 82nd minute. 
Um, had they lost that game, they may not have been promoted to the newly formed Bundesliga. So what I love is the fact that Manfred had 86 great years. He was a winger, played a lot, especially at the beginning of Valpi's history. But he also epitomizes the drama that is this club, no matter if it's 1962, 63, or 2022, 2023. So, you know, shout out to Manfred there. Shout out to the history of the club. Uh, shout out really to Doug. I want to talk to Doug now. We're going to jump into a longer shout out and kind of jump into uh, how he's getting the Youngstown group going. So Matt, I'll talk to you in about 10 minutes. What do you say? Sounds great. All right, like we alluded to in shout outs, we're going to do a kind of a longer shout out here. And we're going to bring on uh, our good friend, Doug, who's in charge of the games for our OFC. Uh, Doug, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Travis. Thanks for having me on here. Oh, thanks so much for being here. And, and you're kind of in a very unique and special situation because um, we've been alluding to this over the last couple episodes about how there's been some changes to the way that OFC's official fan clubs can be created. And you are the first one kind of get one going under these these new rules yeah so uh having a having a regional group here i got to give you some credit here actually for the watch party we had in lakewood last because kind of what kicked off the, the thought of getting a more regional group going um so when we had our watch party in lakewood we had about 15 people that were there and um there were three of us that came from youngstown and you know we were trying to get more people to come with us to lakewood but with Shukart playing their games at 9 30 mm-hmm. um at our time it was hard to get people together to you know leave our area at seven o'clock in the morning to get there for for the 9 30 match right um so yeah just trying to trying to get a few people i had one other one other guy in youngstown here who's who i've gotten to to become a fan he became a fan because i was telling him his last name is urbach and you could see on tv that there's mm-hmm. a banner that's always hanging up in the stands that says urbach so i showed that to him and found out that there's a community in the Stuttgart area with that, with that name. So that's how he got on. And um, just him and I kind of talking, we started trying to pull some people together and find a place that we can do some watch parties in our own area. Yeah. And, and that's the, the deal is that under the new guidelines, um, as long as you're under the banner of the Valpy Stuttgart Americana group, kind of submit it to us. And then we give you a thumbs up and you're able to get going. And that's, it sounds like what you guys did. And so now we've got a Valpy Youngstown, which is kind of the first regional OFC, which is awesome uh, to get going. So let me ask you, you sort of alluded to this, why you formed it, but maybe give us some more details. It's like, um, it was just the kind of watching the games by yourself is fun, but uh, it's always kind of nice to have a couple people there. Is it simple as that? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a blast watching the group, watching with a group like we had in Lakewood. And um, we have in our Americana group, there are, three of us that are from Youngstown. The, another one that came with us to Lakewood that wasn't a part of the Americana group originally. He's joined, he's gotten his brother to join. Nice. Um, somebody on Twitter posted about having an Akron group and Akron has the same uh, area code as Youngstown. So I've gotten him to join. Um, so we're up to, I think we're up to nine members right now in, in our Youngstown group. Oh, nice. Um, so we're doing pretty good. I think, I think for the for the most part, I'm just trying to get people to come to our watch parties that, you know, people that we're friends with or people that we work with that, you know, maybe don't care about soccer, but 
maybe we could get them interested if they see, I don't know about this Sunday without Girasi, but <laughs> if we can get him to come like to one where he's playing, where, you right. know, it's actually a lot of fun to watch might, might grow the fan base a little bit. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you guys do some great recruiting over on the kind of Eastern Northeastern side of Ohio over there. So how'd you guys come up with uh, the logo there? Your logo is pretty sweet. If you haven't seen their logo, go on Twitter. It's at Valafake Youngstown. Pretty easy to find. Uh, you did some nice work there. Thank you. So, so I used a, a website called Canva. So, so I use that. I tried to go with the, you know, the shield aspect that, that Shukar has in their logo. Um, I did use the VFB, um, you know, as a, as a very recognizable piece, piece of the logo, but, you know, I have Youngstown going across the middle. Yeah. And then instead of the, instead of the yellow crest at the bottom with the antlers, I decided to go with the yellow and put the um, Ohio outline with a little star in Youngstown's location there. That's the part I love. I love the star being on there for the physical location of where you are at. I know Ted loved right. the part where you had Cincinnati down, the star was down in the southwestern part of the state. And for Cleveland, right. you know, hopefully that one will get going soon up where we're at by the lake there. So, no, it, it looks great. Uh, speaking of great, it's awesome. One of the biggest problems that Americans have is trying to find a place to actually watch the game when it's on at a 930 start. We're kind of lucky because this weekend's 1130 start for the Heidenheim match coming up. Mm -hmm. Tell us real quick. I mean, was it difficult for you guys to find a place to get together to host the watch party? Was it easy? Um, what was it like trying to find a, a gathering spot? So that's where I have to give uh, I have to give Ralph some credit here because Ralph has a lot of connections in our Youngstown area here and actually knows the owner for the casual pint where we're going to be doing our watch party. So just on our way back from Lakewood, uh, last month, he was talking about reaching out to this guy at, at the Casual Pines in Justin. He's the owner there. And um, yeah, Ralph reached out to him and he's a huge soccer fan and he's excited to have us there for a watch party. Um, so yeah, it worked out good. He has ESPN Plus there. He has a room with a big, big screen that we'll be able to get into. Um, yeah, so it worked out good. I know, have, I know ESPN Plus, you know, finding a place with ESPN Plus could be a challenge, but yeah, we lucked out. That's fantastic. No, that sounds like it's going to be great. And we're going to hope, hope to make it a, a regular thing so that yeah. the casual plane opens at noon. Um, he is going to open up early for us to get in there for the, for the match this time, but we're going to try to aim for the, you know, the 1130, 1230 matches on Saturdays or Sundays. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can get once a month or, you know, have a regular viewing party going there. No, it's a, it's a great start. And that's why it's so awesome to have you on because you guys are the first ones to start the kind of regional OFC, um, you're doing some leg work out there, which I think some people that are listening who are in the States and are looking, hey, maybe I can do the same thing. Yeah, it's as simple as that, going to a couple places and trying to find some spots. That's what we had to do for our first watch party is, it's like in sales, they say, you know, if you can make one of 10 sales <laughs> you know, go through, you're doing pretty good. We had to go to about 10 different bars to figure things out. But uh, no, that's awesome you guys found a spot. That's awesome you're gonna get things going. I'm really excited to hear how it goes. I mean, I don't know especially people that aren't in the United States, how big of a deal this is because the match is at 1130 and it is going to bleed over into the NFL start. That is at one o'clock Eastern time. So right. about a 15 minute overlap before <laughs> Stuttgart game's over to where the Browns game is going to be on in our area or the right. Pittsburgh game in your area. And um, there's, that's not easy for a lot of pubs and bars to give up. So that's really cool that this place is, is looking to give that up. Get your thought. You know, we haven't talked to you since the season started. 30 seconds, man. How are you feeling about the season? You got to be on cloud nine right now. 
Oh yeah. So, so this is only my third year as a fan of the team. So my first two years, you know, we were fighting, fighting to stay in the league. So, so this year being up at the top of the, at the table is completely different. Um, <laughs> the game's been a blast to watch. Um, having Girassi scoring all these goals and, you know, setting records for goals scored and the number of matches played so far has been a blast. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, I think anybody who questions Doug's fandom needs to step <laughs> back because this guy jumped on board when things were pretty bad <laughs> and he stuck it out. And now he's getting some rewards there. Uh, let's talk about, you know, one of the down parts was this most recent match against Hoffenheim that Matt and I are going to dive into here in a minute. What were your thoughts, you know, 20, 30 seconds on what you saw on Saturday? Yeah, the Hoffenheim match was rough. I think they played well. You know, the goal they gave up right at the beginning of the match there, there was some luck with that. You know, that could have gone either way. The, the penalty kick that, that we gave up off the bar and then, you know, bounced across the other side. And then even Stuttgart missing the penalty kick. Right. So there were a few goals that could have could have gone either way. I think they played really well. It was frustrating to, to see them lose that one, um, especially against, you know, Matarazzo. So, but yeah, I, I think they played well. It was still a, a fun game to watch. Yeah, sometimes the luck isn't on your side. So, yeah, a, a big match coming up. It's big for both of us because I'm going to have the Americana watch party in Cleveland on Sunday. You're going to have Youngstown watch party at that uh, pint on Sunday. Um, straight up predictions, though. You know, Heidenheim's newly promoted. Matt and I will talk about it at the end of uh, our segment later. But real quick, give us a tease. What do you think uh, is going to happen on Sunday? I'm going to I'm going to do a three one prediction for Stuttgart. Oh, I um, like <laughs> Heidenheim, you know, is down in. Stuttgart's normal position down there at 13th in the <laughs> bottom part of the table um, and newly, newly promoted. And, you know, I think with Undov and, um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of shots on goal there. I think, I think they're going to get it. Nice. And yes. hopefully they do for our watch party. <laughs> I know it would be nice to start off with a win. Absolutely. All right, Doug, where can people reach you on the Twitter machine if they want to get a hold of your OFC in Youngstown or just, you personally, and especially because uh, as we know, you're a big Batman fan. So if you have any Batman, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> Batman, Cleveland sports, <laughs> yeah, um, let me reach you. So personally, it's it's D Eisenbraun eighty eight. That's D E I S E N B R A U N eight eight. And then uh, for the OFC, it's at Valfb Youngstown. Um, so I could be reaching either of those spots awesome. there. Awesome, Doug. Well, hopefully your predictions come correct from your mouth to Fritzel's ears. Let's get a big one. <laughs> there thanks a lot man and hopefully we'll talk to you in the next couple of weeks as we as matt and i joked about we celebrate an actual episode 100 as opposed to episode 90 yeah. or what, whatever number we're on right now yeah all right doug thanks so much man we'll talk to you later all right thanks travis Okay, thanks so much to Doug for breaking down the Youngstown uh, situation for us. I'm hoping that maybe there will be a Cleveland-Detroit-Youngstown rivalry, Matt, where we'll, I don't know, what would we do? What would be a good rivalry for us? I think you could compete to see who could get more people at a watch party, and whoever gets more, the other one has to buy the first round for all the participants of the next watch party. Wow, that's your your rich Detroit money talking right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can handle that. What, what's beer go for in Ohio? Like a dollar fifty, two bucks? It's basically part of our daily ration for living here. So there you not, go. 
<laughs> the uh, match. So we hosted Hoffenheim. This was an interesting situation because they were unbeaten on the road. We were unbeaten at home. So it was two opposing forces going at it, which actually made me think there was going to be a draw, which is why I initially took Hoffenheim because Stuttgart was giving up goals if you were wagering on this you know we ask this all the time and the answer is always no but i at least from an american perspective think it's starting to shift is this a derby is it not a derby i know it's Karlsruhe. i get it but i really get the sense that hoffenheim could replace not replace them let me take that back but could be the bundesliga careful i know yeah it's sorry everybody (laughs) definitely gonna edit that out watch out uh could Hoffenheim be that? I mean, I walked away from this match going, I really don't like them. And one player in particular, um, are they the new Union Berlin style? So, Matt, am I crazy? Could this be a derby or is it always going to be a rivalry? I think it could be a derby, particularly because as we talked about last week, it's only 93 kilometers down the road. Yeah. So the fan bases are going to travel. Um, that's about an hour's drive for our American listeners. Uh, there's probably a train from A to B, but there are two clubs that are uh, traditional clubs that are playing really well. I mean, Hoffenheim's got that plasticky Dieterhoff kind of stuff going say, on. But the, I'm getting yelled out for the Derby. You're about to get yelled out for <laughs> the tradition. The the club has been around for a long time. We we'll put it at that. Um, <laughs> but the, there is also that that opposing force of Stuttgart being a true traditions rhine and Hoffenheim being kind of an up and coming, you know, historically speaking, plasticky club with theater hops money. Uh, we've got the lot of players that have moved back and forth between the two clubs and Hoffenheim right now plays a very defensive reactionary type of football and Stuttgart plays a very aggressive, positive attacking minded football. So these are two very kind of opposing forces clubs. It makes a lot of sense if it keeps up for another, let's say two seasons, three seasons where we're, both you know upper mid table and punching each other in the face all the time like yeah it's a natural to evolve into a true derby yeah i think hannes said it a while ago is that if you look at it from the big picture hoffenheim just hasn't been around that long to be considered a derby whereas karlsruhe has so i guess it makes sense so maybe this is more of an american perspective you know a short-term type of thing but it seems like it could be and the thing i will give Hoffenheim credit for because we're just upsetting everybody listening to this because now we're a Hoffenheim podcast is they usually don't travel well and after watching the three Wolfsburg fans travel to the match two weeks ago they filled the away block so I mean there's something to be said you know for that I know it's a short trip but I still thought it was you know somewhat impressive what I wasn't super impressed with was when the lineup came out um I'm not a Pascal Stenzel hater. So Stenzel, Undav, and Ido were all in. Middlestadt, Daxo, and Seru were out. Seru, obviously, because of the injury. Daxo was injured a little bit at the end of last match, too. Um, I wasn't super happy seeing Pascal Stenzel in there because even though he's one of the best offensive right backs in the Bundesliga, which is amazing, and kudos to him for that, he was burned like crazy by Tiago Tomas, who has a lot of speed the last time he started. And the only thing that I had heard about Hoffenheim is that they're going to sit back. They're going to counter with that buyer kid and he's fast as lightning. And I thought that's not what Stenzel can do. So I wasn't really excited to see him out there. What were your thoughts when the, the lineup came out? I'm with you. I was 
not excited to see that. And I was kind of confused as to why Rowe was starting at uh, center back, but it's the Daxo injury. And just <clears throat> as we said at the beginning of the season, we're thin uh, for, for depth in a lot of spots. So I don't know that we had a better choice until we get some guys back from injury. But uh, yeah, I was not super excited about the defensive lineup. Yeah, Josh Abagamon is, I guess, the answer to that question, who could replace Pascal. But, yeah, I would have rather seen Anthony out there. But I guess, to your point, if Daxo's not there, what are you going to do? So let's go to the game. And that's one of the major talking points. So I kind of broke this down into three or four major talking points. Is like uh, the defense, Dennis, and disruption. See what I did there? Uh Uh-huh. Love it. (laughs) Alliteration's good. Everybody loves alliteration. Triple D, which is another podcast, I'm sure, somewhere. So (laughs) let's go. The thing, uh, we asked the OFC what cost Valpe the match, and 43% said it was defensive lapses. So let's jump into that real quick. Uh, the first goal was on a quick counter. Um, there was initially a, a good save by Alex, but then uh, Pommel, who kudos to this guy, Pommel. He is villain number one, and I haven't found a player that I dislike as much as this guy. Um, so th- that's fantastic. <laughs> So he was able to get the rebound in. Then Vout Veghurst, the giant dude, was able to get a penalty kick. We're down 2 nothing within 20 minutes. Um, and then we let up another goal in the 66th minute. Our defense, from a first glance, didn't look that great. I mean, Stenzel looked responsible for two of the three goals, in my opinion. It looked like he just didn't track back fast enough. One on the rebound. And then uh, on the third goal, it looked like he kind of left Anton on an island there. The other thing is, I thought Seiru played a big role in this loss because, ironically, his buildup play is so significant that I think it allows the defense a breather and it allows the wings to kind of race up the pitch and the other team has to defend that. We were really going down the wings a lot, not the middle. And I think that Mm -hmm. took away from what Angelo and Ada can do. So our defense didn't look so great. Am I wrong on this? Or is it just a case where Hoffenheim had three chances and converted those three chances? No, I'm I'm with you. We we didn't didn't cover ourselves in glory on those counters. We had guys just straight up getting beat. We had guys who were slightly out of position. Um, I think we've gotten so used to going forward uh, that we weren't sure what to do when we had to turn and go back. Uh, that's good. So it's just it kind of exposed a weakness of the team and it was almost like they didn't expect Hoffenheim to play the counter game which is a different issue because that's obviously what Hoffenheim was going to do against us um but if you look at the player ratings um our entire right side Silas, Karazor, Ruo, and Stenzel all came in for less than stellar grades yeah so I think just that combination of buyer promo and skov on the left for offenheim um ate our right hand side alive i like to you pronounce his name correctly i forgot to put the r in it i call it pommel so maybe we're winning over the valve base supporters by <laughs> upsetting the the tsg supporters there so he's a bit of a horse so i can call him you can call him pommel that's fine yeah, I'm going to save something for Promel later. But, uh, yeah, I thought our defense looked, for the first time in a long time, kind of blood. And I do think there was part of it was the Seiru aspect of him not being there holding up the play, uh, giving us a transitionary periods to kind of get into it and go down the middle instead of just down the wings. Uh, let's go to the next one, which was uh, kind of Dennis. Dennis Undov had multiple chances, 6th minute, 30th minute penalty, uh, 70th minute, he was just wide. 
but he countered back in the 61st minute. He had that amazing one-two with Chris, and he got the assist. Then he had the poacher's goal in the 73rd minute on what I wanted to call Jamie's um, assist, where he kind of ballooned it and it hit off the post, and Dennis just happened to be mm-hmm. in the place. His post-match quote, which I think showed a lot of awareness. I don't know how much of this is actually legit, but I like that he said it. He says, quote, everyone expects the same from me as they do from, as they do from Seru. Unfortunately, I disappoint the fans and the team. That has to be better. Especially in the second half, we put up so much pressure that we have to do things to the attacker. Um, so a lot of people on Twitter came out to support him. It was a really kind of nice point. Is somebody on Twitter asked Seru to say, hey, listen, you did really well. You had an assist and a goal. Come on. And Seru actually retweeted that or liked it. So that was really kind of cool to see him uh, do that. I don't know if Dennis is ready for the up top role. I'm definitely not going to blame him for the match. I thought his penalty kick wasn't a good penalty kick. I mean, yeah. he was guessing one way, the goalie gets the right way, and that's that. But he did redeem himself as the match went on. And But for Oliver Bauman just playing lights out the last 20 minutes of that match, we at least get a point out of that. I kind of wanted to see Milosevic, but I think I'm stretching a little bit. I just I, I think Dennis needs to play off of somebody. But if my plan is to put in a kid who's barely ever played i think that's more on me than it is on dennis um yeah so let me give you the floor dennis unda chances missed chances made what do you got i think unda was put in an impossible situation to try and go out and be sarah jirasi it was never going to happen and I think his quote after the game shows a lot of maturity for a very young player that, you know, Hey, it, it is what it is. I got to do better. I guess uh, he's 27. He's not very young, but uh, he's, he's younger, young enough. Um, <laughs> getting so many things right this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo, episode 97. Oh man. I was all pumped for this to be episode 100. And then math came and punched me in the face. Uh, I just, I, I think, yeah, yeah, he's kind of not ready for prime time, but also like there had to be a lot of pressure on him in this game. And so I think as the game went on, he seemed to settle down. He seemed to not be like gripping the stick too hard, as you'd say for hockey players. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is for a soccer player, uh, squeezing his toes in his shoes. I don't know. Ripping um, stick sounds like something for our Triple D podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different meanings, but uh, ultimately the same result. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think he'll be fine is big picture. Um, I think he'll get another game or two under him. He'll feel more comfortable in the role. The guys around him will adjust some more. It felt like the entire, our entire attacking front, Spirich, Milo, Silas, and Undav all got into the final third. And it was kind of like watching Falafel last season. Mm-hmm. They're like, and now what? What do we do now? Undov plays, as you mentioned yesterday, I think we were chatting, we need that kind of traditional nine, the hold, hold up number nine player that Jirasi's been, and that's not quite Undov's game. And that's okay. And the guys around him just need to adjust a little bit. And if everybody adjusts a little bit, if Undov tries to do a little more of the hold up, if the other guys understand that he's not as comfortable doing that, we'll be okay. I don't yeah. think we'll be putting up, you know, three goals a game like we were, but we can do better than we did and we can play better defensively and we'll be fine. 
Well, this gets to a question that Ted asked that I was going to say for later, but let's just deal with it now. He said, quote, I thought Undon played a good match, but based on his post-match comments, he thinks he let the fans down. What are your thoughts on how he played and whether he'll have any confidence issues heading into the Pokal match? End quote. I don't think he's going to have any confidence issues. I think he's a very confident young man. It was his first Bundesliga start. I mean, he has very ambitious goals of making it to the national team. He had success in the Premier League as a sub. He's had success in the Bundesliga as a sub. He had success this day. Let's be honest. He had an yeah. assist and a goal. And most players, uh, Valdemar Anton said that to him. He's like, listen, most players who do that, that's a great day. I, I think he's off the mental schneid. Now, had he missed the penalty kick in the 85th minute, okay, now I think Ted's point is is something we need to be concerned about. But because he missed it early and then he bounced back with the assist and then he bounced back with the goal, no, nah, I have no concerns about confidence with him. What about you? Uh, no, I think he'll be fine. And I think the guys around him and uh, Honus will pick him up and make sure that he's got his head on straight. And let's, you mentioned Bauman's performance. Let's not trivialize that. He's, Derek Ray said it during the broadcast. He's one of the best penalty stoppers in the Bundesliga historically, like ever. Um, and he just played a really, really good game the entire game. And as kind of hot and cold as I thought Hoffenheim's overall defense was, Bauman was on it the whole match. Well, that's the thing too that, um, we were going to talk about at this point is game disruption. So disruption kicker wrote, uh, you know, that Hoffenheim just disrupted the flow of the game. And as much as the referee was criticized by Stuttgart supporters, I think a lot of that is just, we lost and there, it is what it is. And I get it. This guy, yeah. if you look into his history, he does have a scandalous background where he was somewhat tied into point shaving and he was exonerated from it, but he was involved in it in some way so there is always a question i think it was simply a case of almost dr felix brick where who was part of the var by the way who uh, called a game that allowed hoffenheim to do what they wanted and what they wanted to do was to slow down the match not allow any flow at all and they did it very successfully and we weren't able to adjust but for some luck we're walking out of this with a draw but we didn't so i is this a case of this is a good team that we lost to, or is this just a Union Berlin type of, they played a particular style we couldn't adjust to, or I, I kind of want to answer the question for you. I mean, Silas, Anton, well, what do you think? <laughs> great chances the last 15 minutes, but Bauman just played great. So this is a team in the top seven right now. I mean, yeah, they're, they're in sixth place in the league right now. They've got, and they're in sixth place with only a plus four goal differential. Mm. So that tells you they're winning a lot of really close games. They're not, you know, our goal differential right now is 16. Byron's is 27. Leverkusen's is 19. These guys, they're not winning a lot of games by a lot of points. They're, it's staying tight. So they're a good team. They're not a great team. Um, but they're a team that's going to make you earn it. And they did that. And like we've we've been talking about, like, other teams playing physical and how we respond. We didn't respond as well today. And part of that was probably because Jurassic wasn't on the field to help that transition um, from around two thirds of the way down the pitch down to the end line. But we just, we need to be a little better. And the ref did let a lot of stuff go that I think we normally see called. And 
he was letting it go both ways. So there's not a lot of complaining to be done. Um, it wasn't favorable for us. That's right. going to happen. You know, such is life. Let's move on. Yeah, there's a lot of this match, and you mentioned it earlier, that reminded us of last year, right? Just not able to adjust to a physical team, not able to adjust to a, a referee who is call, not really calling a lot of those things. I mean, Oliver Bauman should have had a yellow card at some point. Um, yeah. Grisha Promel, who is now villain number one, how that guy didn't get a yellow card, I will never understand. Between the tackles and the complaining, he's not a captain. I thought one of the nicest mentions was how – Somebody said, I'm not going to call him Reno anymore. He's Matarazzo to me. And I thought, that's a really interesting <laughs> cut down. It's like, I'm not going to call you Matt. I'm calling you Mr. Matt now. It's like, oh, all right. But I, I get it how, you know, I think this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Is it, maybe this is turning into a derby um, because we don't like them and they don't like us. And small shout out, I I yelled at somebody on Twitter about this, is I'm not going to say I'm happy for Pellegrino Matarazzo. But he's playing a style of football that I didn't think he could coach, which is a very gritty, very negative um, style. And I didn't think that that was the way that Reno could. I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Matarazzo could could coach. So, you know, what? whatever. It's, it's, it is what it is. We were going to lose at some point. So let's get some final thoughts in reality. It's we're still in the top four after today's results. Our first loss in forever. Honus still has a goal differential of 56 plus 27 against. He lost his third match in the Bundesliga. So this doesn't happen a lot uh, for us. The big thing that I thought that, uh, was the bummer was Austin said this, that are we Val F. Seiru? You know, we're just Team Seiru, and that's it. And I was really hoping we had a result here, even if it was a draw, because we could get rid of that narrative, that we're a one-man show. Instead, we're a collective. And unfortunately, because of the result, I think that question mark is still out there. So, you know, final thoughts on the week that was, on the match that was. Do we need to change some things going up? into the next two matches, you know, what do you think? So I'm going to push back on Austin's Bauer Seru comment, please. Um, <laughs> because like, most teams that score two goals against Hoffenheim win. And had Bauman not played an unreal game, we probably win that game. Had our defense been just a little better, we win that game or at least get a draw. Right. So I'm, I'm heartened because Furich uh, not only continued to play well, but I felt like he elevated his game a little bit, um, which was really nice to see. He was taking on a little bit more command in the, the final third. Thought Undav played well, barring the first you know 20 minutes when he was kind of settling in there and after he missed his penalty. But Milo was fine. Silas was he was a little down this game, but like, we had a lot of guys doing well. Mm -hmm. um just not quite as well as they happen and it's one game without him so like give the boys a little chance to adjust it'll be okay i i think what we've got union uh in the pokal next and they're a train wreck right now mm -hmm. so that could be some good medicine for us and then after that we come back and we play heidenheim Right. Uh, who's kind of overperforming for who they are, and they're in 13th. Mm -hmm. So like, we've got two games with good opportunities to get ourselves right against opponents that are 
overmatched by us, even without Jirasi. I think at the end of next week, we'll be feeling pretty okay about everything. I like that. I like that. All right, let's head into some uh, news headlines and questions, because one of the questions is, you know, how are we going to be feeling next week? All right, Matt, so I'm going to throw some news and headlines at you. So Thomas Crooken, who was in charge of the Valpe Youth Department, he left to join Manchester City after four seasons. He was, some people wanted him to take over as the uh, sporting director, but didn't happen. Uh, kicker, a lot of news on Seiru. He has a release clause. It was confirmed between around 17 to 20 million for this winter. So it's not as high as a many, many uh, Stuttgart supporters were hoping for. Uh, Joshua Vagnamon is starting team training again. Kicker had a snarky comment, quote, Stuttgart's Mr. Upteenth attempt is once again working on his comeback, end quote. Ouch, Kicker, gosh. Uh, That's harsh, but it, it's a little funny. Yeah, it's a little bit. And Sarah is expected back for the Dortmund match. So that's match day 11, which would be awesome. Seiru liked the tweet I told you about earlier, you know, giving some uh, appreciation to Dennis and his efforts there. So of all that stuff there, you want to comment on it all, pick one. Go for it. I think the the release clause is really interesting. Just twenty million is what I had heard. So the seventeen and a half to twenty makes sense. I also heard that the team is looking at multiple options to get around that, including buying it out themselves. So that I don't know how you buy yourself out of a contract, but uh, I'm sure there are very smart lawyers working on it. Um, <clears throat> who knows? Uh, but Seru is also. Uh, liking the Denny Zundov appreciation tweet. Um, that's good. He, he's a quiet guy. I don't think he's going to go out and grandstand about anything. Um, but it's nice to see him at least quietly giving some uh, pat on the back to his buddy. Yeah, for me, I, I was interested. I'll take just the other news headlines. I know there was a lot of people early on who wanted Tomas uh, Kruken, who now I pronounce his first name differently both times I've said it. Uh, they've thought that he would uh, you're gonna do it the third time tomas <laughs> i just added a so a, a kind of hispanic flair to it sorry tom <laughs> that's a fourth time that there's some people who wanted him to be uh the sporting director so i'm interested to find out a little bit more about him uh he says there's some youth players that are looking to make the leap but since you and i have been supporters we really haven't seen a youth player make a leap in, in quite some time so hopefully he's right there um I'm excited for both Josh coming back. He could solve our right back problem, but he is more of an offensive player. So who knows? And then uh, if Seiru is able to come back for the Dortmund match, I got a weird feeling they're going to hold him out and wait for the extra week after the international break. It's a hamstring. So those things sometimes can act up. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see him for match day 12, not match day 11 there. So we'll see what happens with that. But we've got some questions and comments to see what's going to happen here. So Kai said, the defeat doesn't hurt that much when you're at the top of the league, but it's annoying. Stuttgart was better in almost all statistics, but unfortunately didn't have the luck to turn the game around. And two defenders didn't have their best day. How annoying, Matt, was this loss to you? Because we're now seven wins, two losses. In the past, I think I would have been a lot more fired up. I think Kai nailed it. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm I'm perturbed <laughs> i'm annoyed yeah i'd say mildly irritated is is a good <laughs> not to rate it you know it, 
So we've said Hoffenheim's a, a good team. They're playing well. They're up near the top of the table. And we had a couple unlucky breaks and they didn't. And, you know, eh, I'm not going to lose sleep over that one. We're really not winning the derby argument, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it had been any team, I'd be doing that. Uh, I'm The thing I'm most annoyed about is the way they beat us. So if we have another close loss to them, that's a similar way. I'll start to feel about them more like I do about Union Berlin, which is like, oh, it's you guys again. You do that thing that I hate. We should look up what mildly irritating in German means, and maybe it's much more aggressive sounding than what we just said here. Good call. <laughs> oh, and for the third episode in a row, somebody sent in, I love you, Travis. So, I don't know. Thank you, anonymous creepy contributor. <laughs> That's I'm glad I've got a following out there somewhere. So who needs Tinder? I've got Valby. Uh, I don't know. Boy. Forget the dating apps, kids. Start a fan club for a German soccer team. <laughs> form a podcast and you'll be on your way to love. Oh, my gosh. It's all happening so quickly. Um, Tim sends in. All right. The defense will have to do better. Uh, giving away penalty kick chances will cost us games. The offense needs to finish their chances when they get them. But Undov taking ownership of his missed penalty and putting the blame on his shoulders for the loss, even though it's not true, is commendable. We all know that Stuttgart will lose a few games, so take this and move on to the next game. So this goes to something you mentioned before, is the next stretch, we've got Heidenheim, then we've got Dortmund, then we've got the break. Seiru should be back, in my opinion, after the break, which is the Frankfurt match. So how important is the Heidenheim match, Matt? Because in theory, he's going to miss, it looks like, three games so that's nine points right and we sent out last week like how many points do you think the team will score with him if you can get this Heidenheim match you're at least getting some points so on a a value scare here scale here how important do you think that match is going on the road to the smallest team in the league I think big picture it's they're probably three points we can afford to drop without too much of an impact but from a like emotional and momentum standpoint for the team it probably really important because you know we just dropped three to Hoffenheim um after uh after Heidenheim we've got Dortmund who are really really good even though they're typically enigmatic and may not show up um because Dortmund um you know I, I think the Heidenheim match is one we really want to steal some points from so that we don't go a long stretch without getting any yeah, I think the high net match is crazy important from just a confidence standpoint. I think you're right. Big picture-wise, we've got 21 points at this point. We're good. I mean, things are good. And we're a good yeah. team, so it's all good. And our striker's not hurt for long term. It's good. But I think from a mental, emotional, just confidence standpoint, I think it's really a big deal to get some points in this match. Because if we get points in this match, it goes back to what I kind of said earlier, is that we're not Team Seiru. We're a good team who takes care of our business. And Heidenheim is a match, you know, we'll talk about it later, that we should take care of. This goes to our next question, though, is talking about the Hoffenheim match, but also going forward. So Dave sent in, David said, the substitutions of Silas and Chris didn't make sense to me. Did it make any sense to you taking them both off at the same time? And then Ted sent in another one. He's like, I hate to be negative after a gritty display from the team, but I was really disappointed from Jamie Leveling. Do you guys think he just needs more time with the team and playing matches to get his form and confidence a la Chris Furich a year ago? Or is he just not a Bundesliga quality player yet? Um, I'll let you go first. What do you think? 
I did not understand the substitutions in this match at all, which it's the first time I've said that about a bonus match. Mm-hmm. Um, usually after a couple minutes, you can see the formation shift that he's come up with and you go, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, didn't didn't get it. Um, Lavelling is... He, he's frustrating for me because he's clearly a guy with a lot of tools. He is definitely not Bundesliga ready. He seemed to be a guy that was out there throwing stuff at the wall to see what would stick and just trying stuff like you would on just a Sunday rec league. <laughs> and that's, we can't do that. Um, so maybe he's on the first track and he just needs some time. Um, maybe he just needs to get sat down and said, Hey, you know, that stuff we do in practice, we, we need to do that on the field too. Um, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm not writing him off yet, but I was not impressed with his performance. Yeah, it's like two or three weeks in a row. Two weeks ago, the color commentator was saying about how he just in the final third doesn't seem to know what he's doing. His crosses when he came in were just, oh, God. They went to nowhere or they went out of bounds. It um, was like he was closing his eyes and kicking the ball as hard as he could and yeah. hoping. He's clearly talented. He's speedy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a thick, robust player, so he's physical. So he's got all the intangibles. But after all the negative things I said about I don't know, Tiago Tomash, um, Chris Furich, and a certain Nico Gonzalez years ago. <laughs> I'm going to give the kid time, but this goes to what David said, and I 100% agree with you. I didn't understand the substitution. Um, the I wanted Milosevic to come in, actually, pretty early, and that's on me. I just wanted a classic nine to be in there. Um, I did understand taking them both off at the same time, Silas and Chris. I, I, I didn't quite get that. Um, I don't think it's a load management thing. You're trying to get a goal at that point. They've already both played 83 minutes, so just keep them in there. Um, and then this, who they brought in, I'm not a Lillian Agloff hater. I think we all want Lillian to take off because he's a homegrown boy. But you could just tell when he went in there, he has zero chemistry with anybody on the pitch. And yeah. that's not his fault because he never plays. So you throw him in there during a key point when we need points, and it doesn't look good. And that's just a weird situation we've been in all year long. We've, we talked about this last week. We've had so much success that we've been able to throw kids out there and give them the opportunity to learn and to grow. This was the first game in a while where we threw kids out there in a pressure situation and they clearly weren't ready for that Mm -hmm. situation. So I kind of agree with both Ted and Dave. I didn't agree with the substitutions. I agree with the timing of them, which is something we always criticize Pellegrino for. Yeah moderato for i didn't agree with the players um and i agree with ted i think jamie boy i almost think he's better starting and then you bring silas in if you're gonna play him i don't really see his use as a substitute though um but silas plays well so i don't want to sit him so it's it's kind of a strange situation to to be in you know at this point yeah i you want to give silas the start because he's the senior guy with more experience who's been around longer, but I think he's playing better off the bench and leveling's playing better, not off the bench. So maybe you have to put them in the roles that like they feel most comfortable with. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm with you. I'm not writing the kid off, but I'm not impressed so far. 
Yeah, yeah. So hopefully you can grow into the position. So we got a couple of rapid fire questions from frequent contributor Baham. Thank you, Baham, for sending these in. Uh, while defeats are nice, could the recent defeat to the Bundesliga Village team ooh, <laughs> be good for Stuttgart? You know, what do you think? It's interesting. Uh, Bob Huggins, who's a famous basketball coach in the college level in the United States, who has had some issues. So I don't know why I'm bringing him up. <laughs> uh, he said, no, like, a loss is never a good thing. Um, what do you think? Is a loss to these guys a good thing? Keep us grounded, maybe? Yeah, big picture for this team. You know, they're young, being reminded that they're not uh, infallible isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's all about, like we said, when when the Red Bull shellacking took place, uh, let's see how they respond. If we yeah. respond uh, really well against Union and the Pokal, then great. It was a lesson learned. We can move on from it. If we come into the Pokal and they all look like uh, a dog who just got scolded for peeing on the carpet, <laughs> we've got bigger problems. Next question. Do you think Bayer Leverkusen under Xavi Alonso is cooking, as the Twitter kids say? I love this question in here because I hate that phrase. What's cooking? <laughs> Volgamuth is cooking. Zabby Alonso is cooking. It's like, stop, hey, stop it. Stop making random phrases for people who are doing their job and they're overperforming. So I, I don't think that's rad. I don't think that's tubular. I think it's, you know, they use phrases from the eighties when I was a kid. I hate that phrase cooking. Um, but this gets into his next question about, do you see Leipzig winning the Bundesliga this season? Who, I mean, I think it's an easy question, right? You'd rather see Bayer Leverkusen win the league. If we can't win it, then, you know, if the choices are Bayer, Bayern, or Leipzig, it's got to be the aspirin team, right? I'd rather have aspirin than an energy drink. Um, and <laughs> Travis, I want to dig deeper into this little uh, dislike for cooking, too. Is it, do you find it's giving you something that you don't like? I don't like anything <laughs> about it ever. I can't. Is it giving, is it giving cringe, as the kids will say, too? I, I'm about to exit you from this podcast. I'm going to cancel you. Cancel you. That's another one. I'm going to cancel you. I can't handle it. There's too many, I'm too, getting too old. I can't handle all the buttons on the Nintendo. All this. Sorry, this turned into a rant about aging at this point. So. We're, we're becoming the uh, old man shakes fist at cloud <laughs> meme. Get off my podcast lawn right now. I So I, I feel uh, Bayer Leverkusen are doing exceptional under Xavi Alonso. I'll avoid using the word that you hate. They did some amazing roster building during the offseason. Alonso seems to be a coach who knows exactly uh, how to get the most out of his team. And they seem unbeatable right now. Oh. Every match that they get into, they're unreal. It's I know Leverkusen's playing because 50-plus donors' uh, Twitter stream just becomes a list of superlatives. And that's it. So like, it's it's exciting to have another juggernaut that Bayern has to worry about because Dortmund's not been that and Leipzig's not been that. Um, and I think we're a year off from being that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, no, it's fun. My only, I just, I hope Bayern doesn't poach Zabi Alonso and that he sees he's got an opportunity to build his own thing in Leverkusen and, and stays there. Oh, they will. And I, Alonso's going to move to the, like the Spanish league or something like that. And so everything that has been will always be and all that stuff. But this man turned bitter and dark quick, didn't it? <laughs> Travis is cooking up some negativity. Darn it. Travis, we're, we're men of a certain age. That's what we do. Dark and bitter. 
<laughs> All right, Ballham ends with a great segue. So are you worried or nervous about Union Berlin? While this isn't a Union Berlin podcast, they're due to win at some point. They've lost 10 in a row. And if they go down this season, how amazing and surprised would you be? Do you consider us to be favorites going at home? I think it's a great segue, Matt. Let's move on to part four. A couple matches. Let's talk about them. All right, so we got two matches, and the one that Ballham alluded to is the Pokal match. So we are in the, what is it, second round, yeah, of the Pokal. We had that great run last year. We made it to the final four. Uh, Union has now lost, I think, 10 in a row. Um, they lost two after our match, Champions League match, and they lost this weekend. There's strange rumors going around. They may, you know, sack their coach. Um, Union Berlin's Twitter put out something about how they're not going to sack the coach, how he's just part of the – the the fabric but also nobody's bigger than the fabric so there's some weird stuff going on in berlin uh volgamut came out and said something that's not weird which is fantastic he said quote nobody would have believed that we would go through the season without mistakes or defeats end quote alluding to the loss that just took place but quote we got up again pretty quickly after the leipzig the team is so stable that they can handle it end quote number one thank goodness that fabian volgamut has learned how to make comments that aren't completely destructive to the club. I love it. He's absolutely right. We stepped up last time. Why can't we step up again? What are your thoughts going into this Pokal match? What are you hoping happens going into this Pokal match? And then I'm going to surprise you with my reaction about this Pokal match. So it's nice to see the communications professional uh, behaving like a communications professional and not making statements like you or I would to the press. So Good job, Volgamut. Um, I am not worried about Union. I don't feel like they're due to win. I don't feel like they're a team that's been playing really well and just not quite getting the breaks. Um, they're a unit of mismatched pieces right now that don't fit who Union Berlin is and what they've been trying to do for the past five years at least. So... I think until they fix that and either change their philosophy or change their roster, they're going to continue this death spiral <laughs> and uh, we can see them in hell. I was waiting all night for your commentary on this. Union <laughs> is the club you hate beyond all other clubs. I'm going to surprise you with my reaction. I can give exactly two poops, two of them, Matt, about this match which is a 180 degree turnaround from what Travis usually thinks. Cause I usually want to finish 16th place and win the Pokal. That would be my mm -hmm. season. I just, I'm all in on the Bundesliga season this year. So I actually don't care too much. It's like, if we had a goalie who was a backup, I'd say put him in, but because Fabian's hurt and because Dennis uh, Simon's hurt, we don't. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess, you know, uh, he's going to, Alex is going to play. I just don't, I'm walking into this match with no weight on my shoulders. I just, I don't have a lot of concern. If we win, that's great. If we lose, we can focus on the Bundesliga season. That's not the way I usually operate. I just, I don't care, but I don't have the innate hatred of the iron like you do. So maybe that's, maybe I'm starting to get out of my bitter zone a little bit here. 
you, you might be. Uh, and I'm impressed. That shows a, a good level of fan maturity for you for not caring. I'll tell you, give you one reason to care hmm. is it's the first game after a tough loss. So that's the one reason to care. We want to see the boys bounce right back and really putting up a 3-0 victory over uh, stupid Union Berlin, pronounces <laughs> her name stupidly, uh, would be delightful and would show that the guys, yeah. as Volgo said, can handle the loss and can keep it moving in the right direction. Yeah, there's two things here. Is I think you get somewhere around 500 grand to a million euro for – the second round win. So we need the money. So that would be nice. And two, I'll be the first one sending sad emojis on Twitter. If we lose this match, saying how the world's about to fall. <laughs> so yeah, maybe I should shut up. So what do you think the odds are on this one? We are hosting Union who hasn't won in 10 matches at home Tuesday. That's going to be on ESPN plus by the way. So any of you out there listening in America, you're going to be able to watch this match on your laptop at, at work at, at, at home, you know, wherever. So that's awesome. So what do you think the odds are in this one? And then what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, I think they're going to favor Stuttgart by a goal. Close. It's um, half a goal. Okay. You're getting better at this. All right. I w- would have thought a goal just because uh, we're in third place and they're in 15th. I love that statement, by the way. <laughs> we're in third place. <laughs> so what do you think the final score is going to be? Uh, 3-0 Stuttgart. Wow, I've got a bad feeling about this. I don't have the confidence you have. Um, it's a quick turnaround for us, but we are playing at home. Ay, ay, ay. I'm going to probably go 2-1 for Union in this one, just because, just because, I guess. God, I hate myself. All right, so the Bundesliga match is Sunday at 11.30. I'm super pumped because Doug is having his watch party, like he said, out in Youngstown. Um, I'm having the watch party in Cleveland, so we're just – it's going to be awesome to get out there with some folks. And um, like we alluded to, didn't allude to, we directly stated the fact that these bars are going to let us watch the Bundesliga match probably 15 minutes overlapping into the NFL game is awesome, but also locally tells us exactly how good the Cleveland Browns are. <laughs> Nobody really cares so much. <laughs> there is that. To me, I shouldn't get too excited about that. It's Heidenheim. So it's the first time that we're going to play them in the Bundesliga, but we lead them five wins. One draw, two losses, all-time in friendlies and in Bundesliga Zweite uh, matches. So is this a friendly derby, you think? Or is it just a match? Just a match. It's Heidenheim. It's like I was thinking earlier when we were talking about the, the derby thing. Like It's hard to even have Karlsruhe still considered as a rival because we never played them. Well, that's, like, that's yeah. That's why I would say Hoffenheim should be our derby game, and I know everybody's going to hate that comment, but they're in the Bundesliga. They're a good team most years. They're ninety kilometers or an hour down the road, as you say. Karlsruhe just never is. Yeah, Karlsruhe is our number one rivalry, and I get it, but we never play them. It's Heidenheim's also like ninety kilometers down the road. <clears throat> about an hour drive so the some of the rationale we had for Hoffenheim holds but just I don't know anything about Heidenheim because we haven't been in a league with them consistently for a while so that's that's why I wouldn't call this uh, a, a derby and I don't care about Heidenheim I have no strong feelings yeah if, well if they beat us on Sunday I'm 
pretty sure you'll be pretty strong feeling about that. So. Then they'll be my new worst enemy. <laughs> There's actually is a really nice uh, ESPN plus did a Bundesliga preview season. And if you plug it into the search, you can find it on there where they go into all the clubs and they actually did a really nice job on all of them from Stuttgart all the way down. And they did one to Heidenheim. So you can kind of learn a little bit about it. The biggest thing about Heidenheim is this. They've got Frank Schmidt, who is the longest serving Bundesliga trainer ever, ever. So when he got up to uh, promotion, he surpassed Strike in Freiburg. They've got a smaller stadium with a smaller pitch that fits their style. Now, here's where we should be concerned. Their only wins are on the ro- uh, are at home, I should say. Uh, they do have a draw on the road, but their biggest results are at home. If we had Seiru, I would give us – I wouldn't even be concerned about this match because I think we would have the target striker we need who would destroy them, but we don't. So I am concerned going into a small stadium that is going to be packed, that plays small because the dimensions of the field are actually smaller than what we're going to be used to. So I'm concerned going into this, not enough to not think we're going to win because there's a reason I chose this weekend for the watch party. Because (laughs) What are your concerns? And then what do you think the odds makers have this one? Who's the favorite? I'm mostly concerned that if if the Union game doesn't go well, um, that the team starts mm. feeling like they need Jirasi to win. And, you know, as we've said, I don't think that's the case. But if the guys start, if that they let that in their head, that's going to be a tough thing to dispel. So the only other thing I would worry about is that it, because it is a smaller field, um, I'm sure we'll have great away support as we always do. But what are they going to let, like, 5,000 or 500 people into the, like, what does their away block even look like? Um, it, and this has trap game written all over it. So wow. I'm, I'm hopeful that we do well against uh, Union. I feel pretty confident about that. Uh, I think high times a team we can and should beat, but uh, it's got the makings of an upset. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more concerned about this one. Yeah. You might be right on the 500, the place only holds 15,000 people. It's, I think if it's not the smallest stadium in the Bundesliga, it's got to be right there. So the away block is probably only 1,000 to maybe 2,000 people tops, I would think. So it'll be interesting to see if, if because the amazing thing, and I don't know if you saw the TIFO that the uh, supporters did for this yeah. particular match against Hawkeye. It was impressive. It was amazing. So, I don't know if we'll be able to be as loud in there. Although I would say this, a thousand Stuttgart supporters, even though there's 14,000 other supporters would probably still be a pretty loud group, but it's not going to be the same away support. I think as we're usually up to. So let's get into this. All right. What do you think the odds are for this one? What do you think the kind of the point makers, Venomax, if we could actually look them up, has this one at? I think Venomax would have it as a pick them. It's, Stuttgart favored by half a goal in this one. I'm I'm struggling with this now because we're at home to Union, who are 15th. Mm-hmm. We're favored by half a goal, and on the road to Heidenheim, who plays well at home, and is 13th. We're also favored by half a goal. I think you're understanding why the phrase "Vegas always wins" is an accurate statement. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I. I like Stuttgart in this one. I'm going to predict a really close, like, I think it's going to be like a 1-0 type of result. I, I just think Kainheim's going to play 
really well at home, very compact. I think we'll get the result out of this. I hope we get the result out of this. You actually changed my opinion on the Pokal match. I think you're absolutely right. Is The first win we can get without Seiru is going to be huge for the confidence of the guys. And so maybe getting that win on Tuesday would leapfrog into a good result on Sunday. But I think it's going to be a tight match, actually. Um, I still see us getting getting a result on this. I think it's going to be a non-Dennis Undav goal. I think it's going to be a defender that's going to score. Remember those days when mm-hmm. our defenders were our best offensive players? I, I think it's going to be a defensive play on a corner kick that's going to get us the uh, 1-0 win. What say you? I could see that. I think uh, Ito's overdue um, for a, a kind of wonder strike off of a botched header. <laughs> so that would make sense. I, If I had to pick any one person who's primed for another goal or a few, it's Chris Fierich. The guy's playing out of his mind right now. Um, and he's the dude stepping up the most with Jossi on the sidelines. Yeah, I, my only concern is I think Heidenheim's going to sit back and I don't know if he's going to have the space to be able to do what he usually does. I think they're going to sit back. You don't think they'll let him turn right? <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> AABB cross cross. I don't think they've got the, uh, the cheat code for Chris here. It is amazing, though, that he has one move and nobody knows how to stop it. I mean, God bless you. Do what you I, do. But... I did notice a little in the last game that he was faking going right and then going left down to the touchline to cross in. I wonder so, if he, he must be a listener. And has gathered that this is an issue. I wonder if he gets confused because I saw that he did swap between the left and the right a couple times of the pitch. And if he goes to the other side of the pitch, if it gets confusing, he just dribbles out of bounds because that's the direction (laughs) he used to go in there. So I don't know. I like how we're mocking one of our best players. We've done a lot to upset everybody this particular episode. We don't know what episode it is. We don't know if it's a derby. We don't know. Anything. It's a good thing it's not a milestone episode. Uh, <laughs> <Classic. I know. laughs> All right, final thoughts from Valheim here is uh, what are your Halloween plans? What do you think? Any big plans so, on Tuesday? We don't have uh, too big of plans. Um, my oldest is going trick-or-treating with one of her friends who lives uh, in the neighborhood one down from us. Um, my younger one's going with one of our neighbors and my girls are still just super excited. We moved about a year and a half ago and where we're at now is a pretty densely populated neighborhood and where we were before was out in the country. So there was about 30 houses that they could hit in a lot of trick-or-treating time and now there's about 150. So uh, they quit early last year because they were tired and their bags were too full. <laughs> So we're just going to go out and take candy from strangers. Uh, How about you? We actually had our Halloween party this weekend. So um, I was a Magnum PI. If any of our listeners were born in the 60s and they remember the classic 1980s television show, Tom Selleck. So I had the short shorts, the Hawaiian shirt and uh, and the whole get out there. But unfortunately for me, the guesses for my costume were Mario from Mario Brothers. (laughs) Uh, and lasso on a hawaiian trip or my personal favorite multiple people who showed up to our party said oh you're pervert that's <laughs> like what kind of costume is pervert <laughs> who dresses as pervert like that's every day what are you talking about oh, right thank you that's not, i don't need to dress up for that so all right folks <laughs> say goodbye to matt because this is the last time he's ever going to be on the episode here <laughs> 
been fun. I've enjoyed the run. Uh, good luck in the future. That's right. Episode 97's big moment is he got kicked off. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, you're not going to join us next week. So we'll have another uh, co-host on with us. So Matt, hopefully when we talk to you next, next time, we've got some great stories about the watch parties. We've got a big win versus, you know, Union and Heidenheim. And, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, that enigmatic win over, uh, you know, Dorman. What do you say? I'd love, absolutely love to to be doing that. All right, man. Thanks so much for popping on this episode. Everybody, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.